This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 252. Now that we're back on track, I'm covering the latest weekly news and rumors roundup. But first, I wanted to take a moment and thank all of my brothers and sisters in uniform for their service. Tomorrow is Memorial Day 2022, and it's a time to thank them all for all that they do for this country to maintain our freedoms. All right, so now we're going to head on over to Canon Rumors and see what they have for us this week. First up, you can now pre-order the Canon EOS R7 and EOS R10 and some new RFS lenses. So if you don't already know, on May 24th, 2022, Canon officially announced these two APS-C bodies and accompanying lenses, and now they are available for pre-order. You can pre-order either one of these bodies with the lenses um, at a variety of retailers, including Adorama, B&H, and Amazon, just to name a few. Uh, we have the R7, the R10, the RFS 18-45, F45-63, ISSTM, and the Canon RFS 18-150, F35-63, ISSTM. You can order the EOS R7 body only for $14.99, and you can order it with the RFS 18-150 for $18.99. For the Canon EOS R10, you can order the body only for $9.79, or you can order it with the RFS 18-45 for $10.99, or with the 18-150 for $13.79. And the RFS lenses by themselves, the RFS 18 to 45, F45 to 63 ISSTM is $299, and the RFS 18 to 150, F35 to 63 ISSTM is $479. And that's US, of course. Next up, hands on with the Canon EOS R7. Dan Watson had a chance to spend three days with the Canon EOS R7 and has posted an initial review on YouTube. As always, these reviews are done with pre-production cameras, but it's safe to say that these are 99% of what you'll be able to purchase now. From Dan Watson, quote, took the Canon R7 for an awesome three-day test with sports, wildlife, portrait, and obviously some crazy cinematic video, and it did not disappoint. So it looks like this is going to be a popular camera. I figured it would be because this is basically the mirrorless replacement for the EOS um, 7D Mark I and Mark II. So this is just basically the mirrorless version of that prosumer sports and wildlife body. So it is understandable that it would be as incredibly popular as the 7D and 7D Mark II both were. So what is next from Canon? As with any launch, this time the EOS R7 and R10, the day after people are asking what's next. We get it. That's what we're in the business of. The information about what's next is fairly vague, but we think there are some realistic rumors floating around. The next RF mount camera will be a full frame model and it won't be the EOS R1 as we expect 
expected at some point in 2023, even if folks wish it was coming sooner. With Canon still having issues meeting the demand for the EOS R3, I think that expecting new tech from Canon in the near term is unlikely. We will see a replacement or two for the EOS R and the RP, while the Canon EOS RP is still selling quite well because of its price point, the EOS R is pretty much forgotten about now. Past rumors have suggested that Canon will introduce the world's first uh, world's most affordable full-frame camera and another full-frame camera that will sit below the EOS R6. Lenses? You can check our roadmap. I imagine new higher yield lenses will, will come once supply issues abate further. You can check out the roadmap, the accompanying link in this article in the show notes, which we've had up for quite some time and has been extremely accurate. Canon will address the Cinema EOS lineup in August, we've been told. We believe that we'll see some 8K options for that line. Once we know more, we'll obviously let you know more. Here are some rumored RFS lenses that may be coming in the near future. With the reality that RFS lenses... Photo Rumors has posted a list of rumored upcoming RFS lenses. Some of them look like they could be using the optical formulas from a few EFM lenses. Using the optical designs of EFM lenses would definitely help keep development costs and time required to develop lenses down and get them to market more quickly. As the supply chain issues begin to improve, I'd expect to see more RFS lenses coming in late 2022. Some of the rumored RFS lenses are the RFS 11-55, F4-45, ISSTM, which is an 18-88 millimeter full-frame equivalent. The RFS 16-55, F2-8, ISUSM, a 25-88 millimeter equivalent. The RFS 22 millimeter F2 STM, a 35 millimeter equivalent. The Canon RFS 32 millimeter F1.4 STM, a 50 millimeter equivalent. And the Canon RFS 55 to 250 F45-71 ISSTM, which would be an 88 to 400 millimeter equivalent. We have not been able to independently verify that these lenses are in fact on the horizon. Whenever we do know, we will let you know here at Canon Rumors. <clears throat> and last up from Canon Rumors for this week, Canon is gearing up to finally release a high megapixel camera with a 100 plus megapixel sensor. It has long been rumored that Canon would develop a high megapixel camera to the lineup. There have been a lot of reports and wishes for something like in Canon EOS R5S. Yesterday, we posted what to expect from Canon, which led some new information about Canon's plans. We have been told that Canon is indeed going to release a full-frame RF mount camera with a 100 mega plus, uh, megapixel plus sensor sometime in the first half of 2023. The announcement could come later in 2022. The Canon EOS R7 had been rumored for years, and it finally and it has finally been announced. So if you're in the market for 100 plus megapixels, hang tight you will be taken care of soon. And this does make sense. As you know, I've talked about it numerous times in past episodes on this show that they would release a 100 or 100 plus megapixel camera to replace the 5DS and SR. That was something that I was really looking forward to back when I was still shooting Canon, but due to my arm issues and having to switch to the smaller and lighter Fujifilm X mount, um, I do still shoot with the GFX 50R and I'm still hoping someday to replace that with the 100 S, which would get me at the 102 megapixel 
point as far as sensor size. So we'll have to wait and see if Canon does announce this new beast towards the end of 2022 for a release in the first half of 2023. Is it likely? Absolutely. And it is not an unexpected announcement as far as I'm concerned. I've been expecting it for quite some time. All right, now we're going to head on over to Nikon Rumors and see what they have for us this week. First up, new APS-C lenses for the Nikon Z-mount, Kippen Ibulex 40mm F085 Mark III and Mikey M-E-I-K-E 7.5mm F2.8. The previously rumored Kippen Ibulex 40mm F085 Mark III APS-C mirrorless lens for the Nikon Z-mount is now officially announced. Pre-orders are now open at B&H, but the new Nikon Z-mount version is not yet listed, even if you visit the product page. The Mark III version has new glass elements and coatings that will improve the lens performance. Additional information can be found at the links in this article in the show notes. The Mikey announcement of a new 7.5mm f2.8 APS-C manual focus mirrorless fisheye lens for the Nikon Z-mount has been official as well. And you can find out more about that at the articles in this link, or at the links in this article in the show notes. I apologize, got a little tongue-tied there. Next up, what to expect from Nikon updated. Well, what are we expecting next from Nikon? The Nikkor Z 85mm f1.2, the Nikon Z 600mm f4, more new Z lenses, development announcements, and or potential roadmap updates. One new Nikon camera is expected in 2022. It could be just a development announcement first. Since the Z9 announcement, rumors about a new Z8 camera do not make any sense to me, at least not anytime soon. Nikon releases firmware update version 1.21 for the Nikkor Z70-200 f2.8 VRS lens. Nikon has released this new firmware update, which includes the following fixes. The focus distance displayed in the lens info panel immediately after the camera was turned on would sometimes not change if the zoom ring was rotated while the camera was off. In rare cases, this would cause autofocus to stop. When an option other than nonlinear was selected for custom settings F9 focus ring rotation range, a beep would sound to signal that a stored focus position had been recalled, despite the focus ring having been rotated to end memory recall before completion of the recall operation initiated by pressing the camera control to which the recall focus position was assigned. The firmware update can be downloaded at the official Nikon website. You can find that link in this article in the show notes. The new Voigtlander Nocton D 35mm f1.2 lens for the Nikon Z mount is now in stock in the US and UK. Voigtlander has several new mirrorless lenses for the Nikon Z mount, both full frame and APS-C, and the new Voigtlander Nocton D 35mm f1.2 was already in stock at Amazon US and at WEX UK. This lens has a full electronic communication. See electronic contacts in the picture above. Additional information is available at the accompanying article in this link uh, in the link in the show notes. The other Voigtlander lenses for Nikon Z will start shipping soon, and pre-orders will be open at Adorama, Amazon, and B&H in the next few days. Next up, Red is suing Nikon for infringing on its video compression patents. 
Red is suing Nikon. The lawsuit was filed in California yesterday, which would have been May 25th. General allegations since at least 2006, Red has been and continues to be actively engaged specifically in the design, development, manufacture, and sale of high-performance digital still and motion cinematography cameras, video equipment, and accessories digital editing software, video players, as well as generally an imaging format technology used in the dissemination, broadcast, or transmission of videos. So it looks like this could be heating up before too much longer. Hopefully Nikon can get out of this. They don't need any more problems. They're now finally starting to get back on track since they released the Z9 with sales numbers. They don't need this taking the wind out of their sails. And last up from Nikon rumors for this week, new Nikon summer promotion starts in Europe. Nikon U.S. rebates expiring this weekend. Nikon Europe started a new summer promotion valid from May 27th through July 18th, where you can get up to 400 euro discount on selected Nikon Z cameras and lenses. Some websites may not be updated yet, but you can check at Calumet DE, Photo Earnhardt, Photo Koch, uh, Calumet NL, Park Cameras, and Wex UK. The current Nikon US rebates for May are expiring this weekend. You can see the details at Adorama, Amazon, and B&H Photo. So make sure if you were looking to get any of those discounted deals, you do it now because today and tomorrow will be the last two days that you can take advantage of those savings. All right, now I'm going to take a short break right here, and then we'll head on over to Fuji Rumors. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. All right. So now we'll head on over to Fuji Rumors and see what Patrick has for us for this week. First up, Fujifilm XH2 with 40 megapixel, not stack sensor. Rumor is 100% accurate. Okay, I've just shared a rumor about the high-resolution 40 megapixel Fujifilm XH2 not having a stack sensor. There is a good amount of disbelief about this rumor, as most, but not Fuji rumors, gave it granted that also the high-resolution Fujifilm X-H2 would have a stack sensor. Now, you know I don't like to make any reliability ranking when I share a rumor, but given the situation, I thought I might make an exception today. So let me put it this way. It is my final confirmed and definitive answer that the Fujifilm X-H2 will have a 40-megapixel non-stack sensor. I'm 100% sure about this, and there is no margin of error. This means that if you love the Fuji X-H line, and if you look for a stack sensor camera waiting for the X-H2, the time is wasted. You'll get what you need with the 26-megapixel Fujifilm X-H2S coming on May 31st. With that clarified, I will now move on and share more rumors, so stay tuned. We have a lot to talk about before May 31st gets here. So interesting. 
the 40 megapixel XH2 will not be a stacked sensor as previously thought. Rumor, Fujifilm X-H2 with 40 megapixels will be more affordable than the Fujifilm X-H2S with 26 megapixels. One of the big questions regarding the Fujifilm X-H2S and the X-H2 is how much they will cost. While these are crazy times with the inflation going nuts. So to give a precise price now, especially on the Fujifilm X-H2, which will come after the X-H2S is not a very easy considering Fujifilm still has enough time to make up its mind on the final price. But here is what we can say for certain. According to our information, we can confirm that the price of the 40 megapixel X-H2 will be below 2500 We can now say with 100% certainty that the 26 megapixel Fujifilm X-H2S will cost more than the 40 megapixel model. In short, speed will cost you more than resolution. So there you have it as far as those announcements go. Next up, Fuji Rumor, Fuji, uh, Fujinon XF 18-120 to F4 announcement on May 31. Not everything that Fujifilm has officially teased or what we have rumored here on Fuji Rumors will come during the X Summit in May. We certainly will not get the full announcement of the X-H2 high resolution or the Fujinon XF56 1.2 Mark II. But today, we can add one more item to the list of gear that will come, the Fujinon XF18-120 F4. So at the time of this post, the gear that we know will certainly be announced on May 31st is the Fujifilm X-H2S, the Fujinon XF8 uh, 150-600 F5 6-8, and the Fujinon XF18-120 F4, and the pre-orders will start right on May 31st. Next up, Tamron 17-70mm F2.8 for the Fujifilm X-Mount will be coming soon. Back in December, Tamron confirmed that in terms of lenses for the Fujifilm X-Mount, they plan to launch next a standard zoom, a wide-angle zoom, and a telephoto zoom. Well, Tamron now confirmed that the Tamron 17-70 f2.8 DI3A VC RXD for Fujifilm X-Mount will come soon. Although Tamron Canada has not the exact time scheduled for its release. Nice. Back in December, they also said a wide-angle zoom could come. I guess they referred to the Tamron 11-20 f2.8 DI3A RXD. As far as the current Tamron 18-300 f3.5-6.3, that can be ordered at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. So if you want to get that lens, go ahead and order one now. They've been a little bit hard to find. Leaked. This is the price of the Fujifilm X-H2S. After our leak that the Fujifilm X-H2S will cost more than the high-resolution X-H2, my perception was that most people speculated for the price of the Fujifilm X-H2S to go well beyond $2,500. But I am happy to report that according to our trusted sources, the price in U.S. dollars for the Fujifilm X-H2S will be $2,499. You got to love that affordable APS-C system with a winking smiley face. Next up, Fujifilm X-H2S to cost $24.99. Price compared to the Sony A9 II, the Sony A1, the Canon R3, the Nikon Z9, the OM-1 stack sensor cameras. 
Here is a mandatory follow-up article to my previous rumor, which indicated the Fujifilm X-H2S will cost $24.99 US. I ended up my short article saying you got to love that affordable APS-C system. A sentence that I guess was misunderstood and needs to be put into context. By no means is $24.99 is little par per se as far as money goes. And it's also a lot of money to put into a camera for sure, given the fact that you can buy, for example, a brand new Fujifilm X-T3 for just $9.99 these days. But as everything in life, you need to put things into context. And the context here is that the Fujifilm X-H2S is, in my opinion, very affordable if we compare it to other stacked sensor cameras out there. So let's do just that. The Sony A9 Mark II is $4,500. The Canon EOS R3 is $6,000. The Sony A1 is $6,500. The Nikon Z9 is $5,500. The OM System OM1 is $2,200. And the Fujifilm X-H2S is $2,500. I know some will say you can't compare cameras simply by price, and that is true. In fact, there are cameras listed above that have completely removed the mechanical shutter to save money, the Nikon Z9, for example. Others that feature a micro four-thirds sensor, the OM Systems OM1. Others have more megapixels, such as the Sony A1, and others have an interesting grip, such as the Canon EOS R3 and whatnot. However, what unites them all is that they are designed for the ultimate speed by using a stack sensor, which is the most expensive center, sensor you can buy these days for a digital camera while waiting for the global shutter to be ready. So the main target of these cameras is more or less the same photographers who need the fastest camera possible. And if your main speed need is speed, then you will want a stack sensor camera. And the stacked Fujifilm X-H2S will cost you about half the money of the next best stacked full-frame camera, a massive difference of $2,000. Only the OM-1 is more affordable, but only by $300 compared to the X-H2S. And as an Olympus lover myself, it does not hurt me to say that with such a small price difference, I guess for the most, most the better pick is the X-H2S. And remember, the Fujifilm X-H2S will also have a faster readout than any other full-frame stack sensor camera out there, as the 40 frames per second burst seems to indicate. This could potentially also benefit blackout-less EVF frame rates and much more. Let's see, we will know a whole lot more on May 31st at 9 a.m. Eastern. I guess... Uh, one thing we can agree on May 31, the stack sensor camera market is going to get a lot more competitive, which is good for all of us customers. Also, for those of us who do not shoot Fujifilm. What else will come on May 31st? Well, what's listed below is what will come for sure. If there is anything more, I will let you know. And as I mentioned before, we're expecting the Fujifilm X-H2S, the Fujinon XF 150-600, to F5.6-8, and the Fujinon XF 18-120 F4, all to be announced on the 31st of May at the, new, uh, the latest X-Trans Summit. X-Trans Unlocked. The Fujifilm X-H2S will certainly be an X-Trans sensor, but unknown if the 40 megapixel is X-Trans or bare. Now that we have told you that the 40 megapixel Fujifilm X-H2 will not have a stack sensor, another question has been automatically answered with 100% certainty. The Fujifilm X-H2S will have an X-Trans sensor. 
So how can we be so sure about it? Well, because back at the Epic X Summit in September, Fujifilm did announce that a new stacked VSI X-Trans sensor would be launched in 2022. So with the Fujifilm X-H2 not having a stack sensor, we are left with the Fujifilm X-H2S. Hence, we can be sure that the X-H2S will have an X-Trans CFA. X-Trans Unlocked, now that uh, now you know that I consider X-Trans a wonderful thing, but even more so if combined with a stack sensor. Why? Because the stack sensor can circumnavigate some of the challenges represented by the X-Trans CFA, mainly the 20 to 30% increased processing power needed. Hence, it would allow us to retain the image quality advantage of X-Trans without sacrificing on features and speed where Bear usually has advantages. The power of X-Trans is about to get unlocked. And what about the Fujifilm X-H2 with the 40 megapixel? Will it be an X-Trans as well? Well, I don't know yet. What I know is that the higher the megapixel, the thinner the image quality advantage of X-Trans becomes. Although an advantage will still remain uh, there even, even at high megapixel. At least this is my understanding after having heard Fuji guy Billy back in 2016 saying why Fujifilm went with Bayer CFA on the high resolution GFX cameras. But if one would go with X-Trans for image quality, Bayer has other important advantages such as less power hungry, easier to implement, more features, and less expensive. Personally, I'd not be mad if it was a bare sensor, but if somehow Fujifilm would be able to make a 40 megapixel X-Trans Fujifilm X-H2 work fast and pack tons of features in it, then I'd still love to have it in X-Trans and pay the extra money to get it over bare. But again, I'd be happy also with a bare sensor for the high-res X-H2. Anyhow, I hope this question will not remain unanswered for too long. I am working on it and will let you know as soon as I can. In the meantime, feel free to drop your preferences and thoughts in the comments below. And last up for Fuji rumors for this week, the Fujifilm X-H2 and X-H2S. The true difference is not video versus still, but resolution versus speed. Since the day the Fuji rumors unveiled, there will be two X-H2 cameras. The whole internet world was sure one is going to be the video-centric version and the other the still-oriented one. The main theory out there, the Fujifilm X-H2S is the video-centric version and the X-H2 high-resolution is the stills-oriented version. But in my eyes, this difference makes no sense at all and never did. I mean, we know that non-stacked 40 megapixel Fujifilm X-H2 will shoot 8K video, so why is it considered the stills-oriented version? Isn't 8K something videographers might also appreciate? And if the Fujifilm X-H2S is supposed to be the video-centered version, then why is it the only one with the stacked sensor, allowing for crazy bursts with the electronic shutter and making it ideal for sports and wildlife photography? We should stop making the differentiation between stills and video cameras. Truth is, both the X-H2S and the X-H2 are highly capable hybrid cameras. If you need 8K video, then the X-H2 is for you. But if 6K video is enough, you can also go with the X-H2S. Uh, as for stills, if you do lots of wildlife and sports, go with the stack sensor of the X-H2S and it's staggering 40 frames per second. But for general use in landscape photography, go with the non-stacked 40 megapixel X-H2. It makes much more sense, in my opinion, to differentiate them in terms of speed versus resolution rather than video versus stills. 
For ultimate speed, get the X-H2S. For a significantly higher resolution, go with the X-H. And we need both. Some might say Fujifilm should have launched only one X-H camera, but to me, two cameras make sense as both cameras are different enough to justify their existence. And it also simplifies the choice for us. If you need all the virtues that come from a stack sensor, get the X-H2S. If instead you want more resolution, then the X-H2 is the body for you. And yes, I know that rhymes. It happens sometimes. And now we'll head on over to Sony Alpha Rumors to wrap up today's episode. First up, the Sony 24-70 GM2 review with PC Mag, quote, phenomenal optics in a slim, carry-friendly package. You can pre-order this lens now. It will be coming soon for $2,298 at B&H Photo, Adorama, Amazon, Focus Camera, and Henry's CA. In the EU at Photocotch DE, Calumet DE, Photo Earnhardt DE, Wex UK, and in Asia, Camera Pro AUS. PC Mag tested the new lens and concluded, quote, you can criticize Sony for replacing a lens it originally billed as future proof, but the new FE 24-70 GM2 is a worthwhile upgrade. First and foremost, it's easier to carry. Sony has come a long way with miniaturization since it tipped the GM system. This slim zoom joins belt lenses like the FE 70-200 f2.8 GM2 OSS, the FE 50mm f1.2 GM, and the FE 24 f1.4 GM, all of which have made us rethink how hefty, well-corrected, bright aperture lenses should be. The redesign also adds useful on-lens controls for photo and video, something missing from Sony's first take. Internally, there's a fresh optical formula that performs a bit better than the original on Sony's most demanding camera sensor, the 60-megapixel chip on the A7R4. Furthermore, dual-linear motors make focus performance a bit snappier, and picture quality is a little better with the older le- than with the older lens. Aside from a bit of focused breathing, we don't have many criticisms about the optics. Despite excellent optics, the original FE 24-70 2.8GM didn't quite earn our Editor's Choice Award when we reviewed it, and it's now a bit behind the times in terms of controls and design. You can still buy it for around $2,000, but we recommend you spend more to get the GM2. It's a standout lens and an Editor's Choice winner. Also, Digital Camera World published a review and concluded, quote, there was absolutely nothing wrong with the original edition of Sony's G Master Trinity Standard Zoom, but the second iteration is even better in every way. It packs a host of new features, improved handling characteristics, and a completely redesigned optical path into a smaller, more lightweight build. It's more comprehensively weather-sealed as well. The GM2 is undeniably pricey, but you get what you pay for and more besides. So definitely some good reviews about that new GM2 lens. Next up, APS-C E-mount Trio lenses likely to be announced sometime in June. I have been told that all three new APS-C E-mount lenses should be announced sometime in June. Here are the lens specs. The 11mm f1.8, which is a 17mm in full-frame equivalent. The 15mm f1.4, which is 22mm in full-frame. And the 10-20 f4, which is a 15-30 in full-frame equivalent. All to be coming in June from Sony. 
Next up, DP Review reports that the Sony A7 IV firmware version 1.01 doesn't change our conclusions. You can order this camera now for $2,498 at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera, and BuyDig. DP Review reports, quote, firmware version 1.01 for the Sony A7 IV included the promise that it improves accuracy of the IAF feature. Since this was one of the criticisms that held back the score of our review, we retested the camera to see whether the tendency to fractionally front focus in IAF mode has been resolved. We confirmed with Sony that the update was intended to address the IAF. However, it was activated whether by assigning a button to the function or through its automatic use when face eye priority AF is turned on. Having tested the camera with multiple subjects and a number of lenses, we found that IAF function can still tend to focus on eyelashes rather than the subject's pupil. It's something you'll only tend to see when shooting at fairly wide apertures, but we still found we could get better results with manual focus. We have included these findings in our review, but cannot find enough of an improvement to revise our scoring. And it's good that they're honest about that. If Fuji or Sony said that it was supposed to improve the IAF and it didn't, then it's only right that they should let you know in their review. Next up, surprise statement from Sony manager, the image quality of smartphones will exceed that of mirrorless cameras in 2024. Nikkei reports the following statement from Mr. Terushi Shimzu. We expect that still images will exceed the image quality of single-lens reflex cameras within the next few years. This sounds a bit crazy, but I guess what he means is that with computational functions and multiple sensor smartphones can now have some kind of advantage compared to mirrorless cameras. Still, I think this is greatly exaggerated as computational imaging has many drawbacks. What do you think? Well, for me personally, I have to agree. I don't see any way that by 2024, the sensors in smartphones will exceed the capabilities of mirrorless cameras. It's just not going to happen. Computational photography is great, but it does have quite a few drawbacks, so keep that in mind. I don't see any time in the foreseeable future when a smartphone camera will ever be able to outperform a actual professional camera. That's just my take, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. Next up, till May 30th, save 25% on all Adobe apps, USA and Canada deal, and new delays on Luminar, KEH, and more. Creative Cloud, you can save 25% and start creating now. And here are some of the new deals for North America. Save 25% on Adobe apps. Save 20% on KEH overstock year using code OS20. Save big on many seven artisan lenses. Summer sale on Luminar gear. Click here and use our code SAR. Till June 3rd, save big on the new Gigapixel AI 6.1. So there's a bunch of savings for all of you listeners out there to take advantage of. And last up from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, the Tamron 35 to 150 review by Reza Mayalari. Quote, unique lens that can do it all. And this lens can be pre-ordered at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Photo Koch DE, Photo Earnhardt DE, Wex UK, and Park UK. Rez posted his full review on 42 West and concluded, 
Quote, the Tamron 35 to 150 lens can replace up to five prime lenses, offering 35, 50, 85, 105, and 135, and as, as well as 150 millimeter focal lengths. It offers excellent optics performance and build quality at less than half the cost of buying the equivalent five primes. Over the course of one month and various shooting assignments, the Tamron 35-150 lens stayed glued onto the mount of my Sony A1. It was instrumental in allowing me to focus on telling the story instead of worrying about my gear and being distracted. It's a unique lens that can do it all and would be great lens for professionals and beginners alike. Now, keep in mind, this lens has an aperture of f2 to 2.8. So, yeah, you do get a lot of bang for your buck, and it would definitely make this lens worth it for $1,899 when you can replace five fast primes with one outstanding zoom lens. And that wraps up all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, and that's going to wrap episode 252 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media and elsewhere. And be sure to hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. One last thing on the personal front, my wife, Tina, is getting significantly better. And the doctors told her this morning that they're hoping to release her within the next couple of days. So good news there as well. And I want to thank all of my listeners once again for their continued support and prayers as she's going through this battle with leukemia. All right, that's going to wrap this one up, folks, and I will see you all again on Thursday.